0: everybody I'm Emma Houghton and you are listening to 30 teams in 30 days on the did you hear podcast part of the blue wire hustle podcast network we are 13 days away from April 1st which is opening day of the 2021 major league baseball regular season I will spend each day in March previewing all 30 major league baseball teams in alphabetical order so today is March 19th and I continue on with the Miami Marlins (laughs) The Marlins were the surprise darling team of the pandemic-shortened 2020 season. They went out there, they got their first playoff berth in 17 years, drove an incredibly long drought there. They made some noise in the playoffs. They were buoyed by this absolutely unbelievable pitching staff of really young talents, a nice offensive core, the manager of the year in Don Mattingly, and they made even more noise this offseason by hiring Kim Eng, the first female GM in baseball and much more. So I'm going to get into all that. Of course, I'll go through history, offseason, positional battles, pitching, bench, and prospects. But the Miamis are an interesting team to watch in 2021 because we will see very shortly if it was a fluke 2020 or if some pieces in this Marlins organization are A, here to stay, and B, we'll see if they can really produce at a high level and, and be a playoff team year after year, especially, I've talked about it in previous episodes, in the most competitive division in baseball this year, the NL East. It may not be the most compelling division race because you have the Padres... And the dodgers in the nl west you have a bunch of teams that could finish sub 500 and the nl central which will be a fun race to watch we saw a glimpse of that with the nfc east in football this past season i think the nl east is the most competitive because all five teams in the division could honestly make their way into the playoffs but the marlins are definitely towards the lower tier of the N- of the nl east in 2020, like I said, they finally finished with a winning record, 31-29, and made playoffs for the first time since 2003, they swept the Cubs in the wildcard round in the expanded postseason format, and then they got swept by the Braves in the NLDS. Every year before that, since 2003, has been pretty much miserable. In 2019, they finished 57-105, which was last in the NL East, the year before that, 2018. 63 and 98 also last in the division. And in 2017, they were 77 and 85. I don't need to go too much into it because it's just bad after bad after bad for 17 seasons. This offseason, they added some key bullpen pieces, which I'll get into in a bit, and also a key slugger in Adam Duvall. Some of those bullpen pieces, Dylan Floro from the Dodgers, Anthony Bass from the Blue Jays, and John Curtis from the Rays who of course the Rays are known for their bullpen and just year after year putting together an analytics driven really high powered bullpen so it'll be a really Curtis will be a really key cog in this Marlins pen my the most important addition to me for the future of the Marlins is the hiring of Kim, Kim Net Eng departures they didn't lose anybody of of real significance the Marlins are pretty pretty much bringing back everybody who they had on the 2020 roster if not more because they de- they de- had to deal with so many covid outbreaks and opt outs and injuries and so forth. So I will preface talking about these position battles by just saying the Marlins success was so surprising in part because in 2019 they had 57 wins. But also, they dealt with more COVID issues than any other team in the league. I think they had over 60 players see playing time at the major league level because so many players were subbing in and out for players on the COVID list. So it was just unbelievable to see everything come together and to see success on the field, again, in just such a surprising manner for Miami. But let's get into some of these position battles. And there are a few that I do believe are still up for grabs. Catcher, you'll most likely see Jorge Alfaro there on opening day. In 2019, he had a 94 OPS plus in 130 games. That's a really solid sample size. He's just about average. Chad Wallach actually subbed in for him in the postseason because Alfaro struggled with injuries and production. But I think he had a much more routine spring training that earned him the opening day spot. First base, Again, you'll most likely say Jesus Aguilar. In 2020, he had a a very good season, 809 OPS. He had 120 OPS plus in 51 games. The reason why I hesitated here is because Garrett Cooper, if Aguilar slots into first base, that means Cooper is on the bench with no DH in the NL this year. And Cooper had almost an identical stat line with Aguilar last season. You give the slight defensive edge to Aguilar, but it's also just a terrible situation because Cooper is one of their best hitters. So it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles that. And if somebody else falls off, Cooper can play corner outfields. He's versatile enough to slot in there. So if they need his bat, then they will definitely make changes as needed. Second base, this is the most intriguing position battle. I am giving the nod to Jet. Jazz Chisholm, also possibly one of the best names in baseball, but it is a battle between Chisholm, John Birdie, and Isan Diaz. Chisholm is actually a natural shortstop, but pretty much the the go-to solid opening day spot at shortstop is given to Miguel Rojas, the unspoken, at this point, unidentified captain of this team, but Rojas is really this guy. He is in the final year of his contract, Rojas, so you could see Chisholm slotting into short next year if they don't bring Rojas back. But while Birdie might have more experience, Diaz as well. Diaz did opt out in 2020, only to opt back in and then get hurt. So he didn't see any time 2020 was a scrap year for him. Birdie is a a league average hitter at times and above league average hitter. Chisholm does not have much major league experience under his belt. With that being said, similar to what I was saying yesterday with Gavin Lux, I think his ceiling is so high that the Marlins are in a place where they can take a risk and they can see how Chisholm develops and give him the necessary plate appearances to see how he does. And then, of course, you still have Birdie on the roster. He definitely makes the opening day roster, That 26 roster spots. And then you can fiddle around with the, the position battles and the lineup and all that, but... Chisholm, again, he wasn't excellent in his Major League debut, but few rookies were last season when they came up in 2020. I think he has so much potential. He also is a huge beacon of hope for this Marlins organization and their fan base who struggled for so long. They saw the light in 2020 and they want to continue that. And Chisholm is one of the faces of this franchise in the future. Third base, another really solid option. It's the young guy, Brian Anderson. He led all NL East third baseman last year in Windsor above placement. He was a Gold Glove finalist for the first time in 2020. Over his past 185 games, which is just over a full season in 2019 and 2020, he's batted 259, a 467 slug, he has 31 homers, 104 RBIs, and a 115 OPS+. plus. So that's just over a full year of stats. And that is a very, very respectable stat line for Brian Anderson to have. Shortstop, I mentioned Miguel Rojas. He is entering the final year of his contract. Players also always do better in a walk year, so maybe the Marlins expect even more out of him this season. In 2020, he actually played very well. He batted over 300, he slugged nearly 500 and 888 OPS in 40 games. Again, these sample sizes are even smaller for a lot of these Marlins players because they played even less time with all the COVID issues that they had. But it, So it is a small sample size for Rojas, but he has the career and the accolades that they know he can produce day in and day out at shortstop for the Marlins. Now let's move to the outfield. And this is the more experienced part of the entire roster, pitching included. In left field, you have Corey Dickinson who came over from Philadelphia Just for the 2020 season. So he doesn't even have a full season in Miami under his belt. He's a career 118 OPS plus hitter. In center field, the star of this team, Starling Marte. They traded for him last year. He is one of the best outfielders in the game. So... It was interesting for the Marlins to go all in on someone of his caliber. That means they expected to win. They did that in 2020, and they're hoping to continue the momentum in 2021. Marte is a huge part of that, both defensively and at the plate. Again, he's a career 115 OPS plus guy. He bats just under 300 pretty much every year. He he hits just under 20 home runs. He can He's a base threat too. He could steal 10 to 20 bags. He is at the top of this lineup, again, just producing every single day for the Marlins. A key cog in their game plan. And then in right field, a new face, Adam Duval. He was let go, or technically the Braves didn't sign him back, but Duval spent 19-20 in Atlanta, a Miami a- NL East rival. He had an 852 OPS and a 545 slugging percentage for the Braves in his two seasons with the team. He was overshadowed by the near Triple Crown winner Marcel Azuna and the 2020 NL MVP Freddie Freeman and young phenoms Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. and even Christian Pache in the postseason. He actually subbed in for a hurt Adam Duvall in the postseason. But Duvall can really hit and to be a postseason guy and mentor on this young team could be huge from Miami. Again, if he can stay healthy and that's a huge if. I mentioned a lot of the bench options but of course you have Garrett Cooper. So I mentioned Jesus Aguilar's stat line. Cooper had an 853 OPS with a 130 OPS plus in 34 games last year and he will probably not be an opening day starter. I will petition once again for there to be a universal DH because baseball is better when guys like Garrett Cooper can play every day and focus on their craft which is hitting. John Birdie he had I mean 2019 he was a 101 OPS plus guy 2020 105 OPS plus guy right at league average he could easily slot in at second base if Jazz Chisholm is struggling early on. I mentioned Chad Wallach who took over for Jorge Alfaro in the postseason last year at catcher and then Isan Diaz the second baseman He was a former top prospect. He was supposed to be the long-term solution at second base. And then Birdie came into the picture. And then Diaz struggled with injuries and the opt-out. And then Josh Chisholm emerged as a second base option along with a shortstop option. So in a 56-game Major League sample, Diaz only hit 174 and he only slugged 294. Right now, Chisholm can match and do better than those numbers. So it'll be a really interesting, again, watch out for second base between Birdie, Chisholm, and Diaz. Those are the bench options. Now let's go to the starting pitching depth, and this is really what Marlins fans should be excited about. And honestly, the entire league, because... The the Marlins, again, they were a surprising team. They had a winning record. Again, it was 31-29, and 29, so not anything incredibly special. But coming off of the franchise woes that they had had of late, 31-29 and 29 is pretty damn good. I think they face another rough season in 2021. But when we cross into 2022, 2023, 2024, when Sixto Sanchez emerges as one of the best arms in the game, when Jazz Chisholm emerges as one of the best middle infielders in the game, Brian Anderson at third, etc., the Marlins are seriously going to compete. And it's going to be even better in the NL East as Bryce Harper continues to hit for Philadelphia and some of the young studs in the Braves rotation step up. So, again, the NL East this year is the most competitive. I can say that for the next five years, too. And a big part of that is reliant on Miami's continued improvement. So of the six pitchers who started six or more games last year for Miami, none of them were older than 25. The opening day nod will probably go to Sandy Alcantara. He turns 26 in September. He was an all-star in 2019. That was really his coming out party. He had a phenomenal year. In 2020, he continued to pad those Those stats, he lowered his ERA to three, 149 ERA plus. He probably would have been an all-star once again. I mean, his strikeout to walk ratio is excellent too. All five guys that I talk about have excellent strikeout ratios, 39 strikeouts, 15 walks, and he only let up four home runs in 42 innings pitched. So while these guys might not be catching headlines with their numbers, you don't see Marlins pitchers giving up home runs very often very often and that is an important thing especially in the power heavy league that the, that baseball exists in right now now we shift to Pablo Lopez he's only 25 In 2020 he was 6 and 4 3.61 ERA 124 ERA plus again he only gave up four home runs too in 2020 His strikeout numbers went way up. His homer number went way down, like I said. 59 strikeouts and 57 in a third innings. Sixto Sanchez, he is the crown jewel of this Marlins rotation. He's 22 years old. He retains his rookie status in 2021, so he will definitely be an NL Cy Young favorite right alongside Ian Anderson and all the other Young Braves guys that I talked about earlier in March. In 2020, he had a 129 ERA+. plus. 33 strikeouts. He can hit 100 miles per hour relatively easily. He won his first ever playoff start with the Cubs. I would not be surprised if we talk about Sixto Sanchez breaking record after record in his his emergent years uh, among the next five years or so. And then behind him... Lesser-known names, but still guys that are very high up in this system. The first is Alicia Hernandez. He's only 26 in May. From 2018 to 2020, he has a 4.82 ERA in just over 173 innings. But he does have 164 strikeouts. He has an absolutely wipeout slider. His whiff numbers are so high. 11.9 strikeouts to 9. So he might let up a few runs by the homer ball, basically, but you want a guy who has that good command over a pitch that can be as impactful as a slider. And then the last guy who will probably slot into the fifth day is uh, Trevor Rogers. Excuse me. He's 23 years old. He His numbers are not as good just because he has much less experience than the other four guys that I've talked about. He has a 6'11 ERA in 28 innings pitched. In those 28 innings, 39 strikeouts. These pitchers are unbelievable. I've talked, I mean, I'm coming off a day where I talked about the Dodgers pitching rotation, which is arguably the best in the league. The Marlins are young, but they're not as inexperienced as people might think. And the numbers are all, are already there. I think it'll be very important. I, I've, I mean, every single preview that I'm done, I'm 19 days in. I don't think there has been less than five players on each team where I've said, okay, again, down year, they're hoping it's just because of the shortened 2020 season. It seemed like the shortened 2020 season worked well for the Marlins because every single pitcher overperformed and a lot of lineup guys overperformed too. So it'll be important for the Marlins to prove that those weren't flukes. And they might have been. But I do think there is serious talent in the Marlins pitching staff that cannot go unnoticed. Briefly on the bullpen, you have Yimi Garcia. You know, the closer battle will be between Garcia and Anthony Bass, who I mentioned came over from the Blue Jays. Garcia had three wins last year, 0.64 ERA. His stuff is lights out. And then Anthony Bass, he led the Blue Jays with seven saves last year. So he has experience in that spot, which again, I think will be good on this young Marlins team. Prospects, another really positive thing, the Marlins have one of the best farm systems in baseball. So while no one wants to go a seven go through a 17 year playoff drought. They are well equipped from the f- for the future because of all the draft picks they acquired. Sixto Sanchez clocks in at number 15 on MLB's top 100 prospects list. Outfielder JJ Blede, he comes in at number 22. He is a product of Vanderbilt, which by name alone proves how talented he is. He is definitely the best position player in the Marlins system. Behind him, you have right-handed pitcher Max Meyer, number 28 shortstop second baseman Jazz Chisholm in at 66. And then a right-handed pitcher that the Marlins are very high on and who we probably would have seen in 2020 if it weren't for injuries, Edward Cabrera. He's number 68 on MLB's top 100. He pitches in the 96 to 100, 100 mile per hour range. He has arguably one of the best change up in the minors. And like I said, If it hadn't been for an injury, he probably would have come up last season. So he might start in the minors just as he gets used to spring training, as we speak, and then work up to his MLB debut. But if you can put him in to that potentially six-man rotation, he he becomes six. I'm 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 I don't want to watch. I don't want to face the Marlins pitchers. I certainly don't want to face 100 miles per hour from three or four guys. I think they have a very formidable rotation and if their offense can be just a bit like they were last year, if you continue to see production from Starling Marte, if you continue to see production from Brian Anderson and Corey Dickerson and Jazz Chisholm emerges and Garrett Cooper can see at-bats, I think the Marlins have something to be excited about. But what I'm most excited about is that they hired Kim Eng, who is the first female general manager in major North American's men's professional sports history. First female GM. She's also baseball's first Asian American GM. She is a trailblazer in every sense of the word. And she actually interviewed for her first GM position with the Dodgers back in 2005. Kim Ng deserved this job 10 years ago. And because of her race and her gender, that was pushed off. But finally now, she definitely earned it. She earned it 10 years ago. But in 2020, the Marlins brought her on. She'll work with CEO Derek Jeter, which will be a great tandem. She's already incredibly well-respected across the league and especially within the Marlins organization. And I think she's inherited such a talented future-driven team in everything that I've talked about with their young pitching rotation, with their excellent farm system, I think the success of the Marlins can go hand in hand with Kim's success in baseball. And that can just open another path for women to continue to succeed in baseball because there definitely needs to be more women in sports, but definitely more women in baseball as well. So that was an incredibly exciting development this winter and definitely the addition that the Marlins can be most proud of. I will finish, as always, with the Pocota standings. I feel strongly about this one, and it has the Marlins at 70 wins. I'm going to go a hard over here. I think they're between the 75 to 80 win range. I definitely think they finished last in the NL East. That's more so because... All the other teams are much more major league ready than them. And I purposefully said major league ready instead of talented because I've gushed about how talented I think this team is and how many stars can emerge on this team. But the Marlins are still two or three years away. So all you can hope for this year is to get good offensive production, Keep things settled on defense. They, They have a nice veteran outfield and a nice young infield, which is a really good pair. And then, man, they just hope that the Marlins pitching staff is as fun to watch in 2021 as they were in 2020. You continue to see good numbers from the veteran leader at this point, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez. You continue to see 100 miles per hour from Sixto Sanchez. And you try to catch lightning in the bottle and potentially make a run. And if not make a playoff run, then maybe you get to 80 wins. I think that is the ceiling for this Marlins team. And it's an attainable goal for them with their reigning manager of the year, Don Mattingly. I think there's a lot of great organizational harmony in the Marlins organization led by Kim, Kim Eng and Don Mattingly and Derek Jeter. And there is a lot to be excited about as a Marlins fans after they finally ended their 17-year playoff drought. So it might be a few more years before there's continued Marlins playoff success, but you have a lot of fun players to watch in 2021. So thank you for listening. That'll wrap up my Miami Marlins season preview. Make sure to check the Arizona Diamondback to Detroit Tigers season preview can check that out in the link in the bio of this episode. Those were on SoundCloud before I switched over to the Did You Hear podcast feed. So thank you for listening and make sure to tune in tomorrow for a Milwaukee Brewers season preview.